Hello, everyone. Welcome back into the Sports Plus Podcast. I'm Corey Miller here with Andy Muller. We've been off a few weeks, so there's quite a bit to touch on. We'll try and do it here uh, a little bit quickly in this latest episode of Just Andy and Me On this week. We're going to start with the Cardinals, though. Our last episode we recorded was right after Mike Schilt got canned. Uh, there's a new sheriff in town, and Mike Schilt, we just learned right before we're recording this, could win the NL Manager of the Year Award again uh, for the Cardinals. So that would be a little bit awkward. But let's talk about Oliver Marmol just briefly, uh, since there's already been a lot made of him already. He's the new guy in charge, moving from bench coach to skipper, and Skip Schumacher coming in as bench coach. Andy, we've heard from uh, Marmol a little bit here. Uh, since he's been named, it seems like he's the guy the organization just was most comfortable with going forward. You know, I think um, I think Marmol was clearly the front runner. Um, I don't know that Stubby Clapp or uh, or even you know Schumacher was going to be the was going to be the first choice. Uh, I think uh, I think Marmol kind of checks a, a lot of boxes, uh, most of which you know involve the uh, philosophical differences that. Uh, that Mike Schilt had, um, but he seems to communicate well. He puts an emphasis on communication. Um, he's been, he's a lifelong organizational man. Um, you know, he doesn't think his age is going to be a problem. Um, you know, and again, you know, I, I think he's, uh, I think he's got a good skill set. Um, so we'll see what happens when they roll the ball out onto the mound on opening day. Will be fun to see Skip Schumacher back in a Cardinals uniform as well. Look, looking forward to that. I think that's a fantastic hire. Definitely going to help Mormol out on the bench. Uh, we've also got to talk about the big news the Cardinals made this past weekend. Five gold gloves, the most of any one team in history. Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond, Nolan Arenado, Tyler O'Neill, and Harrison Bader. Yadier Molina, the guy with more gold gloves than anybody, the only one nominated from the Cardinals not to win. We knew watching the team this year, the defense was elite, but this really just drives the point home. I mean, I think if I was thinking they would get four, uh, Tommy Edmond kind of surprised me, but I'm glad everybody saw just how valuable he was, uh, especially at second base, but the guy played all over the place. Great defense. This is just so impressive. Uh, and if you watch the Cardinals all year, you're not surprised at all, really. No, not at all. And, you know, again, in another one of those cruel ironies, uh, Mike Schilt came, came into the manager's uh, position, putting an emphasis on cleaning up what had been a kind of a ragged for Cardinals, uh, Cardinals um, a ragged defense. And he goes out with five gold glovers. And from what I saw, you know, Yachty threw out um, almost half of the base runners tried to steal on him. He only had three errors, and he caught. He was behind the plate for over a thousand innings. So he was clearly, if he wasn't one of the three finalists, he had to be three A. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a testament though to, to Mike Schilt that he was able to uh, clean up the defense in you know in this fashion. And of course, they brought in Goldschmidt and they brought in Arenado, but uh, they are a really, really good defense. Mike Schilt. Should put that on his resume going forward for sure. And hopefully one of these guys uh, can get the platinum glove as well. I think that would be well-deserved. You could give it to just about any of them. I think Goldschmidt or Bader, I think, would be my my pick if I had to pick one of them to get the NL platinum glove. We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, before we start speculating free agent-wise, 
which we'll do a little bit. Let's take a quick look back. Two veterans, certainly not going to be back on the roster next year. Matt Carpenter, Carlos Martinez. Matt Carpenter put out an emotional goodbye to St. Louis uh, just this morning before we recording this podcast uh, in the Players' Tribune. Last few years, obviously not great, ugly to watch a lot of the time. But this is a guy who had a legitimately great career by any metrics in St. Louis. He was an MVP candidate a few times, a three-time All-Star, won a Silver Slugger, uh, probably one of the most underrated players in baseball while he was with the Cardinals. Just a really great Cardinals career. I think we might see him in a red jacket, Andy. Yeah, I don't think that's far-fetched to think that uh, one day he uh, he would come back and, and put on a goal, uh, put on a red jacket. Excuse me. You know, I believe he holds the franchise single-season doubles record. Did uh, did he not break that? I think so, he had fifty-five one year and passed up. I think it was Stan Musial's record. I believe that is correct. So he could drive fifty-five. Um, you know, I to, to be honest with you, um, you know, I I just sort of feel like um, he was not able to. You know, the pitchers found a way to get you know get the ball in his kitchen. And, and the defense, the shift, certainly played a factor into, uh, you know, into where he had to go the opposite way. But if you're pitching him inside, it's really hard to do that consistently. So, um, you know, it's, it's hard to see him go out the way he did. But he certainly lent a lot of class to the bench, um, you know, for the last couple of years. And certainly, uh, you know, when he um, – you know, when he begged out and asked uh, Schilt to replace him in that 11 nothing uh, lead after the first inning against the Braves a couple of years ago, um, you know, to put a better uh, better defensive player out there, I just think that that speaks to the class that uh, that Matt Carpenter has. He was he was brought up well by his parents. I think there's no doubt about that. He was a good one. Great story, too. Way back in the draft and, and made it to the big leagues at 10 years in the big leagues with the Cardinals. So I think we might see him down I-70 in Kansas City. That's just my hunch uh, next year with, with his old manager, Mike Matheny. We'll see on that. And then Carlos Martinez, man, I think just one word sums up his Cardinals career. And it's frustrating because at times he looked like one of the most talented pitchers he'd ever seen. And then other times he looked like he was completely lost and he got a lot of flack that I thought maybe wasn't deserved at times. People were hard on him. Uh, he brought it on himself uh, times as well, but uh, man, when you look at the numbers, he was solid overall, but they're just always, you always wanted more. You know, I think that's right. And I guess you could probably count me in as one of those uh, detractors because when he first came up, you know, my, my thought was, wow, I just can't wait to see this guy grow up as a Cardinal. Uh, you know, a few years down the road, I'm still waiting for what I feel like would be for him to grow up uh, as a Cardinal. He just never was able to put it together uh, mentally, I don't think. Um, and, you know, he just kind of had that, that little child about him, I think. And then injuries kind of took their toll. And, you know, once once injuries start, you know, start plaguing you, it's just really hard to get out from under that. He's still, I guess, particularly, he's not old yet in baseball years, so I think he'll get another chance somewhere. And he's got enough talent, like, like we've said. It'll just be about uh, settling it down and kind of focusing a little more. And maybe, heck, maybe he can still turn it into a, a really nice career, which he does have some, some uh, building blocks there in that regard. Let's look ahead a bit. 
uh, now, provided there is a new CBA and we actually do start the MLB season on time, which I don't want to think about too much. But what's one the one thing you want to see the Cardinals do this offseason if they only do one thing? And, you know, it's easy to be pessimistic on that they're going to go out and spend a bunch of money or, or, or make a big splashy move because that hasn't been the move that often. They proved us all wrong and got Nolan Arenado last offseason so we were kind of eating eating crow there but uh, it seems unlikely they might do that two offseasons in a row uh but everybody's still hoping Andy, what's what's the one thing you want to see him do well you know they do have a lot of money coming off the books uh i will say that but uh i think you're right i i think it would be uh it would be hard to imagine that the cardinals would go out and, and try to make that big splash when you know they've been you know, telling us for the last two or three years that they just want to see the players that they already have, uh, you know, Im- improve. And, you know, we were probably going to see Nolan Arenado and Matthew Libertor and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, down the road a little bit, not too far down the road, uh, Mr. Walker is probably going to be, uh, you know, be coming along. So you don't want to get tied up in long term, uh, certainly at those positions. So, you know, I, I just sort of feel like, you know, I'd like to see some, some power arms for the bullpen. Um, I think that's probably the best way to go. And, you know, I, I also, I don't know how much faith can you have that Jordan Hicks is going to be that closer in the future. I think, uh, I think Gio Gallegos was very effective when he had to, had to be the closer, but I think he's best suited to be more of an eighth inning guy. So, you know, I think that's the move that has to be you know, addressed most. I think they really have to get down and figure out who's going to be the closer. And if they don't have, you know, the feeling that they have the closer in-house, I think they need to go get one. Um, I just, you know, God bless Alex Reyes. I want to see him get a shot to be a starter. With that. I agree that I've been driving the Alex Reyes fan train for a, a long time now. And, yeah, people are, are probably not as high on him at this exact moment as they used to be, but uh, that stuff he's got needs to be worked out as a starter for sure. So hopefully uh, they give him that chance. But going into this season, I think they have to get an established starter because we saw the injuries just totally devastate them on the starting rotation front most of last year until they tried to patchwork it with John Lester and Jay Happ, who everybody kind of made fun of, and then it worked out for them and they got lucky uh maybe they should try not to have to do that this year and go in with more guys that they're comfortable with uh to start off I like Marcus Stroman a lot that's a guy who I I'd like to see them throw some money at he gets a lot of ground balls and we know there's gold gloves all over the place that can field them uh and speaking of looking at gold gloves in the lineup there's only one position that wasn't nominated for well there's shortstop and right field weren't nominated for a gold glove and Dylan Carlson is nominated for rookie of the year so shortstop is is really the only spot that the Cardinals, I think, even logically could look to improve in their lineup if they wanted to. Uh, everybody wants Corey Seager or Carlos Correa. I don't think they're going to throw that kind of money out there, although it would be a lot of fun. But I think the dust settles and Trevor Story might still be out there looking for a team. And uh, his old buddy Arenado might call him up and tell him to, to see whatever kind of deal he could get with St. Louis. Uh, I think the Cardinals should be very interested in that if they're going to be smart and want to upgrade it really the only position in their lineup that I think they're interested in up, upgrading at. Uh, I think the fans would like that one too, Andy. 
I think Trevor's story just, there are so many coincidences there. Uh, and I'm not generally one that believes in coincidences. Uh, so I think Trevor's story would be certainly an interesting fit for at least a couple of years. And I say, why not? Now, you know, what his price tag is going to be, that's, that's going to be, uh, you know, probably the telling factor. Definitely. All right, let's move on a little bit. bit. We'll talk some blues hockey now because it is actually blues season and we can't overlook the elephant in the room. Blues are still bitten by the COVID bug. Six players have already missed time on the COVID list. Andy, I thought we were done with this. I guess not. It's it, The blues are back up in a corner and man, it really just stinks because this team is rolling, but they can't get healthy bodies on the ice there they are healthy according to doug armstrong everybody's had mild symptoms which is good because they're all vaccinated but still they got to sit out for an extended period of time and they can't replace them on the roster because the salary cap is what it is and they can't uh, they're just bringing up random guys to play uh it's really just a rough situation for the blues yeah it really is and a testament to the uh you know to the next man up theory because they they're continuing to win. Okay. Last night they were kind of due for a hiccup. So we'll give them that, but it just seems like, um, you know, okay, you know, no problem. You're going to sit out. Okay. Well, I'll we'll plug this guy in or whatever, but you got to wonder how long that, you know, that can continue to go on. Um, yeah. You, and you also hope that, uh, you know, that finally, you know, whatever is going through the team and, uh, you know, causing all these positive tests kind of runs its course here before too long. I tell you what, though, these Blues games have been just about must watch uh, through the first couple of weeks. I, every game has been exciting uh, and it's been close. Well, sometimes it hasn't been close, but when it's not, the Blues are blowing somebody out. Uh, so almost every night the Blues play, I'm making an appointment television to sit down and watch because they have been an awful lot of fun. They have been a lot of fun. And you know, Jordan Bennington is quietly putting together a really, really great start. Um, you know, they he kind of ran into problems last night, but I don't think his teammates helped him out a whole lot. Uh, but I think he's been the unsung star so far. He's been there game in and game out. Uh, and I think he is, uh, um, you know, I think he's kind of putting the last couple of seasons behind him and starting to build up a, a line of consistency here that let's hope carries us through the rest of the season. And beyond. Lastly, on this episode of the Sports Plus podcast, we got to talk a little Rams trial. And I think I'm going to have to work this in every podcast episode we do so far because it seems like we get some kind of new news every other day in the uh, in the lawsuit with the Rams and the NFL versus the city of St. Louis. Obviously, the Seth Wickersham stuff the other week was the the biggest bomb lately about how Stan Kroenke is trying to get out of paying for uh, what he said he was going to pay for in this lawsuit and potential trial uh, Andy right now uh, do you think we're closer to a trial or a settlement at this point I it looked for a long time trial or bust but now the way things have shifted it seems like the NFL is just so backed into a corner they're gonna have to throw something crazy out there to just avoid going to trial I just think you know I, I, the, the little voice in the back of my head keeps telling me that these you know these guys these billionaires do not want to be put on the witness stand. They're the ones that, that want to look down on, on everybody uh, as if they're beneath, uh, you know, they're beneath these, these benevolent owners. Uh, but I really think that the last thing that, that they want to do is get on the witness stand and have to spill 
you know, family secrets. So I, I keep expecting that some sort of settlement is going to come out of this before January 10th. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I just feel like Seth Wickersham's article was just so telling how, you know, how these owners are literally like rats on a sinking ship. And especially, you know, Mr. Cronky, of course, of course, you know, he has a history of, of not exactly being, uh, you know, being uh, honest and, and uh, you know, and forthcoming. And, you know, when he makes a promise, uh, you know, we in St. Louis know that uh, at some point down the road, he's going to turn on it. And uh, I never said that. I never said that. The notion well, of... Anyway, to answer, yeah, well, to answer ahead, your Andy. question. No, to answer your question, I, I do feel like a settlement is going to be coming between now and then. The notion of an expansion team being offered as some sort of settlement has been dangled out there a few times, and that's certainly got people talking. It, it's hard not to indulge in it, and we've talked about this before, but if that were to somehow happen, and I just logistically, I can't even picture how all the things that would have to happen for it to happen, what sort of stipulations would you have to have if the NFL said, you know what, to make this all go away, here's a team? Well, um, I'd start off with, with three situations. First of all, they're going to give me a team. And second of all, they're going to build a stadium uh, where we want, and it's not going to be some cost-cutting you know, stadium. It's going to be, you know, I'd, I'd settle for a SoFi, uh, you know, uh, like, <laughs> like stadium uh, or, you know, AT&T, uh, you know, down in, down in Dallas, uh, you know, a palace. Uh, but the most important thing that is going to go in any agreement I would make with the league are two simple words when it comes to that expansion team. In perpetuity. There will be no pulling the rug out of St. Louis for a third time. As long as that league stays afloat and continues to make billions of dollars, St. Louis is along for the ride. I could sign on uh, with all of that, exactly how you said it. So get it over here. We'll start We'll start the petition. All they do have to do is ask me. <laughs> we'll have you write it up. We'll have yeah, we you write it up when, when and if the time comes. We can take care of this in about five minutes. Let me, uh, you know, just get me to work somewhere or to a Word document. And I'll put the whole thing together for them. This week on Sports Plus, Frank Cusimano sat down with the one and only Adam Wainwright, the best interview in town, as you might know and have heard before. But Wayno's got some new good stuff, of course, on this past season, on looking forward, on playing with Yachty another year and going for an all-time MLB record on fantasy football, Oliver Marmol, just about everything with Frank on Sports Plus. So here is that entire interview with Adam Wainwright and Frank Cusimano from Sports Plus. Let's begin with something really serious. There are 40 million fantasy football league participants out there right now. How good a GM are you? Uh, I mean, you know, you, you can talk about things all you want to, but, you know, it takes championships to back it up. And I have quite a few, Frank, uh, <laughs> Mr. Kuzia. I've got a few. I've got a bunch of leagues, um, but I, it's, it's one of my favorite outlets. I love to do it. I love to play and I love to trade. Trading is where the real fun is at. Do you ever get any tips from John Moselock about how to be a sports executive? 
Uh, well, it's tough. We have talked about this a little bit, but the, the difference in fantasy football GM and, and baseball uh, GM is that they sort of have to have like the long, the long approach. Uh, what am I looking for here? They, they have to think like five, 10 years down the road, whereas in fantasy football, you only need a player specifically for 10 to 12 weeks. You know, usually after you make a trade, it's 13, 14 week season with a couple of weeks of playoffs. So it's, it's very short term, whereas the GMs in real baseball are, are much more long term. So it's a different game completely. Over 200 million people are on Twitter. You're one of them. And this weekend, you had to uh, take a Cincinnati Reds fan to task. Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting because most people on Twitter are, are, are nice and, and wonderful people to engage with. Some are not. Uh, and some are out there just trolling people. And, but this guy particularly came at me with an attitude, you know, and, and, uh, and that's okay. But he, he didn't make any sense because he's a Reds fan and he was trying to troll me for being a Cardinals player, not being in the playoffs and talking about how we didn't have success this year when we, we actually made the playoffs. Uh, we've actually won World Series uh, in that guy's lifetime. We've actually, you know, had lots of success in the postseason in, in the most, you know, in the recent years. I mean, it just didn't even make sense. So I was just making sure he was aware uh, that he wasn't making any sense and that he needed to kind of <laughs> come about himself a little bit last year the big number for you was 17 your 17th victory on the day the cardinals won their 17th game in a row this year could it be 16 as in 16 more wins to 200 do you think about it well speaking of 17 i'm i'm sitting across the room right now from a really really pretty lady who was uh, about to celebrate our 17th year anniversary together um, so 17 is a special year for us right now, Kuzi. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we got to set the bar at, at least 16 next year. Hopefully uh, we're looking at 20 plus. That's the goal. Michael Wilbon, who is an eternal Cubs fan, said on national television recently that you are, quote, a slam dunk for the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you've heard that, but what's your reaction to that? I like him. He seems like a smart guy, man. He seems like a really bright person. I, I, I need to tune in to more of his broadcast because I might be missing out on somebody who's clearly a genius in a, in a, in a mind of his, you know, one of a, one of a kind for his job place. Not, not to saying that, that all media is not really smart, but he seems like he might be the smartest. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the manager situation. How did you hear of the news of Mike Schilt and what was your reaction? Uh, I heard... Um, uh, Mo called me and, and told me he was making a change and, and, uh, you know, you have to respect the decisions made and, and why they're being made and, and the best thing for the organization was what was in mind. So, um, you know, Schulte's a friend of mine. I thought he did a, a pretty good job. Honestly, he, he, uh, managed us, turned us from being the worst defensive baseball team in all of baseball. And he took that on as a priority when he, when he kind of took over. Uh, after another great friend of mine, Mike Matheny, uh, who also did a great job. Um, but you know, managing in baseball is a tough, tough, tough business. There is, you know, you could be everybody's favorite person in the whole town when you win one year, but then the next year when you, you know, you lose a few games, you're the, the least favorite guy in the whole town. I, that's why I don't want to ever get into coaching, honestly, Kuzi, because I, I feel like people generally like me in St. Louis, and I don't want to give people reason to go to, 
to grace meat and three for dinner and, you know, cuss out the pitching coach or whatever coach I might be. So I, I like people liking me. And it seems like being a manager or a coach is a thankless job because you really can't do right. I mean, you're never going to make everyone happy and it's a tough job, but it's, it comes with the business. You know, a lot of people have been waiting their whole lives to, to be in that position. I thought Schulte did a great job. I think he's going to get another opportunity somewhere, I'm sure. But I think Oliver Marmol is going to also do a great job and, and be the right guy for this organization. Did John Moselock get your take on Ali before he made the hire? Yeah, I mean, we talked about uh, Ali and, and uh, his skill set and, and uh, what he brought to the table. And, you know, he was able to learn from, from Schulte for a long time. He was able to be in a lot of different roles, first base coach and, and managing in the minor leagues, which, which, is, which is a big part of understanding. I think manager is a really good word for that job. It, it you it's not just managing what's on the field it's also managing all those unique individuals inside a clubhouse and away from the field getting everybody to play at the best of their abilities and be ready to to go out and perform that's a big part of being a manager and, and uh, I think Ollie's going to do a great job of that so you never want to come out of a game when he comes out he'll be 10 inches smaller and five years younger do you have more leverage now uh well i mean you know since Matheny, my manager's been shorter and my shilty was a little bit older uh, but not many people are are looking down on me you know i'm a pretty big fellow I, I usually have the leverage on on somebody but uh the manager is still the manager you know whether i like it or not he's still gonna have the power to take that ball out of my hand sometimes and uh but you know what as a as a pitcher Everybody needs to know that you want the pitcher on the mound that still wants to be in the game. You still, you want the guy on the mound who wants the ball in those big situations. And so if you see me, you know, barking at a manager for taking me out, it's because I still want to be out there and I'm still trying to help this team win. If you got a guy who's out there who wants to come out, like, please get me out of this game. He's not a competitor. You don't want him out there in the first place. So all he's going to be able to manage that he knows he knows that I'm going to be, you know, snap back at him in a few times, but uh, we have a great relationship and we'll, we'll do it respectfully. Give me the one thing that jumps out at you about Ali. Well, he gets, he gets along with a lot of different people. So he's a, uh, he's, he's a fluent Spanish, obviously he's Dominican Republic uh, family raised. And, and so he's, he gets along with that and can communicate really well with both sides, with the English speaking guys and the Spanish speaking guys, which is a big, I mean, that's a big thing in our game, especially with what is it? 35 or 40% of players now are, are Spanish speaking players. Um, but uh, solid believer, uh, Christian guy who, who he and I relate on, on and off the field in a, in a, a really strong way. So um, there's going to be a lot of people that really relate to Oliver. Well, he communicates well. Let's talk about your spectacular season. First in complete games, second in wins, third in innings. I know you've had better individual seasons, but in terms of satisfaction, was this at the top? And I just would like to point out, if I'd have had my last start instead of starting the wild card game, I'm, I'm right there either first or for sure second in innings. So not that that matters. I'm just pointing <laughs> that out. Uh, but... Um, it was a fun year for me. It was, but I was glad to be out to be able to go out there healthy and, and, and perform without having to worry about things hurting and, and just go out and try to make pitches. And when I can just go out and worry about making pitches instead of uh, whether my arm's going to fall off or not, then I, you know, can usually do pretty good. In 2016 and 17, when you had those higher ERA seasons and you were physically compromised 
and smart Alex sportscasters were saying, well, Adam Wainwright's probably done because of his age. Didn't you just want to lash out and say, hey, this is not the real me. I'm not healthy. Well, I mean, they were, you know, in my mind, I started to go that way, too. It's not it's not exactly like they were wrong. The way I was pitching, I needed to be done. You know, my arm was hurt and it was not able. I was not able to go out there and compete at the level that everybody was used to seeing me compete at. I was not able to go out and compete at the level that I'm used to being able to compete at. And when you do that, you you when you set expectations really high and then you don't meet them, then it lets everybody down even more than if you just go out there and pitch bad with no expectations. So uh, I think that you know, they were, they were right. I mean, I was hurt and I wasn't pitching well and I, you know, either needed to get better real quick or I needed to retire. And that's where I was at. And luckily I was able to kind of turn the corner and get healthy and go out and pitch healthy again and pitch good again. You and Yachty need 20 starts together to break the all time record set by Mickey Lilich and Bill Freehand. Where do you think that record will sit with you in terms of all the things you've accomplished? Man, right at the top. Um, that's a, that's a, I think when you think about baseball, it's been played for so long and so many players have played it. So many legends of the game have played it. If you can get any kind of all-time record right now in today's game, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, blessed to be able to throw as many games as I have, pitch as many games as I have to Yadier. But if we can break that record, that's something we can always, always, always talk about and something we'll always have because I'll be honest, I don't think anybody ever is going to break that record again. So that's a cool record to get. It would be a, a special thing to be, you know, sort of known as the, the, the all-time battery in any sport ever. So uh, it would be crazy. So it's been an incredible marriage with you two, but like in all great marriages, there's conflicts. Give me one story where you got on him or he got on you or what do you razz each other about? Um, I don't know if it's getting on him, but he, he knows how to communicate well with me. He's been with me for so long. Uh, I'll tell you this one time, we, we, uh, 2019, I believe it was, I was kind of grinding through a game where we were just, it was, I didn't have my best stuff, but we were finding a way. It was like the fifth or the sixth inning and, and, uh, you know, it had runners on second and third with one out and Yadier starts to come out and walk out to see me and. And uh, usually it's kind of like, um, usually it's kind of like, all right, hey, what are we going to go right here? Like, let's let's focus on getting this ball down the zone, or let's, hey, you're flying open, or hey, this guy's leaning out over the plate on you. Let's get one inside on him. You know, we're talking about game plan or stuff. But he knew that my 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 stuff was what it was that day. It wasn't going to get better. It was it was it was more like kind of trying to free me up mentally and kind of get me into the right headspace. And he and I had been trying to make a trade in fantasy football for a few weeks. So he comes out to the mound and he says, hey, will you think about trading me Tyreek Hills? And, and, uh, and I, it kind of caught me off guard. And I was like, no, I'm not trading you Tyreek Hill. No, it's not gonna happen, he's on my team. And he goes, oh, okay, let's get this guy right here. And he turned around and walked back to the, to the catcher's plate. And uh, when he got back to home plate, he put down the signs. We, we got the first guy to strike out. The next guy popped up to the infield. We got out of the inning. And it was just so cool because my mind was starting to kind of wander and I was, I was starting to, you know, kind of worry about things or whatever. And he just put me right at ease. And he kind of got me back on the offensive uh, when I was able to go out there and attack after that because I was like, no, I'm not trading Tyreek Hill. And he kind of got a little, you know, fire lit under me, which is the way to get me was to offer me a bad trade in fantasy football. So uh, that was that was one thing that worked pretty good. 
That's classic. So on this DH issue, we know about your hitting prowess. You hit 262 one season. You have 10 career home runs, but it looks like it's coming. But are you going to try to petition union reps to stop this thing? Because we know you want to hit. Uh, no, but I'm going to work extra hard this offseason to see if Shilty or I'm sorry, Ollie, see if, sorry, see if Oliver Marmol will put me in, uh, to, to hit third or to play shortstop or something, play in a, play in a big position or a key hitting role or take a, a big pinch hit at bat. Or, but you know what? I am going to stay ready because there's times where I've worked on bunting my whole career. And sometimes you, you get into a situation late in a game where bunt is the right play, but these guys, you know, the position players, they don't work on bunting a whole lot. Like the pitchers work on it every day. If you ever want to get a bunt down in a big situation, put a pitcher in, don't put a, a position player in. They don't work on those kinds of things. So I'll stay ready. Uh, and, and I got to steal a base too, Kuzi. That's my, that's my big thing that's coming up. I, I got to steal a base. I've never had a stolen base in my whole career. And this year, this year, I actually, I had an attempt. I, I stole um, and the, the batter fouled the ball off. So uh, didn't, I would have had it though. The pitcher wasn't paying attention. It would have been an easy one, but that, that stolen base is still, is still one I got to get. You never know though, the, the union and the major league baseball, they, it's not exactly like they come together on too many things. So we'll be, we'll see. Everybody wants the, the DH, the universal DH apparently. So we'll see how it goes. You've done a great job at mentoring young pitchers. I'm curious of your take on Alex Reyes. Uh, are you at all concerned that he could be scarred from this because some relievers don't come back? And if you were in charge, would you make Alex Reyes a starter or a reliever moving forward? Mm, good question. Uh, so, no, I think he just needs to change his arm swing a little bit on his mechanics. I think there's something, a, a very easy mechanical adjustment that he needs to make. Like he was throwing the first half of the season. He kind of got away from that the second half of the season. You saw the results. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I think... I think long-term, I think he would be an, an amazing starter. I really do. I, I've seen him do it. Now, whether he can stay healthy, that's the question mark. But I'd like to see him get a chance to go out and start every fifth day because he's got special stuff. He's got a special mentality. And uh, we've seen him at his best. You know, we unfortunately, he, ended, he didn't end so great. But we've seen him at his best. He was an all-star player, and that's the kind of talent he has. That was no fluke. He, could, he can make the all-star team every single year if he stays healthy. Broadcasting is definitely in your future. You're really good at this. What do you think the game plan is going to be? I know you have the children and your beautiful wife. Can you picture yourself traveling to Pittsburgh, or do you think you're a one-day-a-week broadcaster? Uh, I think I'm a pick-your-own-schedule kind of broadcaster, honestly, because I'm not going to um... – you know, I've, I've been I've been away from the family a lot. I've been traveling a lot. I've been I missed a lot of things. I don't want to do that. Uh, not for a while anymore. The, once we get the kids out, Jenny might look at me and say, hey, you need to get a job, man. Let's get you out of the house. We'll see what happens, how that goes. But as at the moment, I, what I'd like to do is be able to take my sweetie on a on a vacation every now and then. We'll go to some city, have some good dinner, call a baseball game or two and then come back home. That sounds fun to me. I love talking about baseball. I love watching baseball and especially at the big league level. It's just something that's, uh, it's just so good. The product is so good. The baseball players at that level are very, very talented. Um, and it's just cool to watch. Sometimes pitchers do things and hitters do things that I just shake my head and go, wow, I can't, that's so fun that, I, that somebody can do that. And I love, you know, the, I, love, I love a lot of the things that I didn't used to love. I love some of the analytics and I love some of the things that come behind that too. So I think there's a really 
unique possibility for me to go out and, and, and speak in the game, into the game a little bit differently than maybe some of the, the longtime broadcasters have. Um, and it's always good to get that fresh blood in there and talk about things, you know, when you're just barely removed from it. So I look forward to, to kind of giving a different perspective. How would you compare the nervousness level before a broadcast as opposed to a start? I'm not a nervous person because I don't get a now back when I was like asking Jenny out on a date back in the day, way back in the day that I used to get nervous about that. But as far as athletics go, I, I've never been a nervous person. You know, I grew up taking the, the last penalty kick. I was, you know, I was taking, you know, I wanted the big shot always. I, I always wanted to be on the mound in the big game. I always wanted to take the, the free throw to win the game. I always, I always liked that situation. I always wanted to be in that situation. Never have been nervous about it. I was a field goal kicker. I loved, I loved kicking those those big pressure moment field goals. And and uh, yeah, I just never have. I'm just comfortable in that situation. So I don't get it nervous about either one, honestly. Let me ask you about your faith. You seem to be a, a one Thessalonians five sixteen guy. Be joyous always, pray continually, and give thanks on all occasions. It seems like that's your day every day. Well, this is a wonderful place we get to live. I'm, I'm looking out right now at a beautiful lake. I got, I got a, a, the job that, that I've always wanted to have my entire life, um, playing professional baseball, Major League Baseball. You know, I got a beautiful family. Um, been blessed with a lot. I, I, there's, what could, why would I not be happy about those things? You know, but even in the moments where, where uh, things are not going um, like I wanted to, like through some of those injuries when I missed a couple of my prime seasons, you know, you can still find joy, joy in that also. Um, so uh, just finding contentment in all things is, is something that my faith has really driven me towards. And, and uh, you know, if you wake up feeling blessed and you see the blessing in all things and you, you see the goodness in people and you see the goodness in the world rather than looking at the, the bad and looking at trying to find the worst in people, then usually you find a, having yourself a pretty good day. All right, before we let you go, these are some hit and run questions. You can't hedge on any of these. If your daughters were all 21 years old, which teammate would you allow them to go on a date with? <laughs> yeah, all my teammates are single. That's a good question. Yes. My wife. <laughs> mm. uh, I got a couple of I got a couple of answers. I can't head. I got to give you one. Oh, go ahead. I mean, Tommy Edmonds, a guy who stuck out to me right away, just a salt of the earth, good dude. Um, I, and uh, Dylan Carlson's a good guy, man. I, I really like Dylan a lot. He's got a good heart on him. Those are my two first answers. The other guys, the other guys uh, are good guys too, but I would have to do some grilling first to find out if what their intentions were. <laughs> what Cardinal would you want your son to play like if he decided to pursue baseball? Um, Harrison Bader. I Along think those lines, so much fun. He has so much fun in the game, but also he, if you watch his defensive play in the center field, everything is perfectly fundamentally sound, which I think is a, a very important thing about playing the game right. And since your wife is right next to you, I'll ask this question. Maybe she can help out with the answer. Your wife, Jenny, finds what Cardinal kind of cute, and it kind of ticks you off. I know that answer. <laughs> She's like, don't answer that question. Uh, she thinks Jack Flaherty's cute, though. I know that. <laughs> All right. 
I can offer you a two-homer game next season if there's not a DH or a two-hit shutout performance. What would you take? Two-homer game, no, no doubt about it. I'm, I mean, two-homer game, uh, I'm going to be throwing a, a pitch in a pretty good game also, but I'm going to have a really good chance to win that game. The, the odds when, when, a hitter, when a pitcher gets a hit in a game, the odds of that pitcher winning the game are like up 50% or something crazy like that. There's some weird stat. So if I get two home runs, I'm definitely going to win that game. Uh, and I got some shutouts anyways, but two homers in one game would be ultimate bragging rights. What hitter has owned you over the years and it kind of ticks you off? The guy that always owned me was a guy named Aramis Ramirez. Um, and you'll remember Aramis well. I, I, I could never get away from him. He started in Pittsburgh. He went to, he went to Chicago, and then he went to the Brewers. Uh, and I could never escape him. In fact, he ended up hitting like 400 off me, or real close to 400. He only had one home run, but he had tons of doubles, and he would get like 3-0 curveball hits and all kinds of crazy stuff. But in fact, I could not get rid of him so much. I went to the Dominican Republic on a mission trip, and I went to an Escajito baseball game over there in the Dominican uh, Winter League. And the first person I walked into in the play in, in, in the stands was Aramis Ramirez. I was like, oh, get away from me. Gosh. So, What is the perfect date night for you and Jenny? Perfect date night? Uh, perfect date night for me is um, a really good dinner. Um, babysitters, obviously, babysitters. Babysitters are the first part of that. Um, <laughs> A really good dinner with a with a, a really good movie behind it is a great date night for me. But what what's your favorite date night? Yeah, and sometimes the best date night is is takeout and a couch with some shows and maybe a baseball game or whatever on TV with you know no craziness running around beside you. Sometimes we like just being still. All right, word association. First thing that pops into your head when I say Tony Larusa. Uh, genius. Mike Matheny. Um, wise. David Freeze. Clutch. Yadier Molina. Tough. Carlos Beltran. Professional. No baseball in this world, you would have done what? I get that question a lot, but I'm thinking I'd be working at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> you can take any right arm in Major League Baseball. Whose arm would you take? Jordan Hicks. What if your family all voted for you to retire when you had that vote last year? What would have happened? I'd be doing this interview instead of from the weight room. I'd be doing this interview at the golf course. <laughs> Biggest regret in your career? Hmm. I don't think I have any regrets, Kuzi, honestly. I mean, I, I, maybe, maybe not starting some recovery uh, stuff like between starts earlier in my career. Maybe that would have been it. Final thought. When you do walk off the mound for a final time, what would you want somebody to say about your career? Oh, I, I was about to say it. I, I, was, I was hoping you were about to say, what would you want somebody to walk up to you and say? And I would say... Uh, I'll take that World Series trophy right now. That would be great. Um, <laughs> I, I think just uh, just that I was a great teammate and and uh, you know loyal loyal team loyal friend and teammate. That's the best thing I can, anybody could ever say about me. 
That will do it for this episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe as well as rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody.